0: So there's this seeker and uh, he comes uh, to the bank of a river and he sees uh, the master on the other side of the river and he hollers across to him and says, how do I get across? And the master looks at him and hollers back, you are across. So, I had to write something about my talk, which I usually do something. So, it's called A Long Lineage. Looking into the hidden landscape of our own underground world, talking endlessly about our own nothingness, of course, we're going nowhere. Remembering this lineage, asking us to simply stay in our seats. No longer sneaking out the window, hoping that it would turn out better. Only to remind ourselves, the only small triumph here, the only small triumph here, is staying in your seat. The great yogis of old, surrendered, through this great world, never giving up their seat, breaking the bonds of their storytellers, free at last. So uh, tonight I would like to uh, explore with you somewhat. The, it, it really comes out of the uh, Thai forest tradition, the lineage, and uh, just a little history here, because uh, for myself, I remember in 1967, I uh, came to California in 66 and kind of, you know, I'm an old hippie. I lived in the hate. and Someone handed me a book. I was uh, a pretty, uh, what, dedicated seeker on some level. A little misguided. But, you know, uh, that's the way it was then, you know. <laughs> and someone handed me uh, a book called The Book of the Great Liberation. By the Venerable uh, Padmasambhava. And uh, I read it and I, I literally was astounded recognizing, oh, that the mind itself in its nature was free. I went, wow, that's really cool. The only problem was I didn't know what to do with it, you know? And so, you know, the, the journey was, oh, I had to go on this long, long journey. I'm still on this long journey. But uh, at that time, kind of realizing, oh, I had to find the source of how this all, how can I manage this, knowing the little bit that I knew. And um, so there was this idea that somehow if I uh, did it hard enough, long enough, deep enough, that uh, I would somehow get liberated out of this. So, you know, I spent probably 10 years in a very rigorous style, you know. And, um, you know, I was thinking how much I loved, one of the things in Asia, I kind of went, uh, what was it, uh, what would you call it? Well, I I liked the style that was wearing a skirt and having my purse and barefooted and uh, simply, you know, kind of giving up everything that I knew. And seeing if I couldn't, in a sense, kind of recalibrate myself and find something that, um, you know, would kind of release my past, you know. So I went through a lot of series of things in the sense of looking at the different uh, traditions and their practices and really saying, okay, I, I think I get this one. And some of them were very complicated. Some of them are fairly simple, you know. But I realized for me, for my kind of personality, was the simple was the best, you know? And that really I think what we're doing here is we're actually using the simplest thing to look at what it is that's occurring. I love in the, when I finally came to the recognition that this Thai forest tradition uh, had some very, uh, the, you know, it was very essential teachings. Uh, that really gave me permission uh, to simply uh, be myself, be authentic about uh, how I was practicing and not practicing. By the way, you know. So I love this. I think it's down in the gratitude hut there, and the tradition goes that there was a uh, in what 1949, 89. Uh, uh, Ajahn Sao uh, was kind of the one of the lineage holders of this. And it went from Ajahn Tsao to Ajahn Moon Bharata. And um, we have a quote down there, which I'd like to read because it's really the, the um, what is it? It's just kind of this, the direct, simple teachings. Uh, uh, Ajahn Moon he only wrote one thing in his life, and it was a poem. It was in, in his latter years. It was 27 pages, and it was on the five aggregates you know, that they are not me, they are not I, they are not mine. In your investigation of the world, never allow the mind to desert the body. Examine its nature, see the elements that comprise it, see the impermanence, the suffering, the selflessness of the body while sitting, standing, walking, or lying down. When its true nature is seen fully and lucidly by the heart, the wonders of the world will become clear. The wonders of the world will become clear. In this way, the purity of the mind can shine forth, timeless, timeless and delivered. You know, it's such a, a fundamental uh, kind of teaching. The simplest. Piece of practice is sometimes uh, the best. So um, I've been sitting uh, in this uh, monastery in Asia and uh, in India, northern India. And um, I guess it was two years ago. I'm sitting for a month and um, I was taking some medication that caused all this body pain, you know? And so usually I like sitting like this. It feels to me and i i seemed to be able to do it uh but that year i could not and so essentially uh and i used these teachings of i put the chair in, and i had this little kind of what they call kuti a little kind of building i was in and i put the chair in the center of the room and uh and i practiced you know And uh, even though I was very uncomfortable because I couldn't sit like this, uh, I began to remember and recognize uh, these fundamental teachings, which really uh, the Venerable Ajahn Chah, uh, in his uh, kind of direct and simple way, I have a few of his quotes tonight that I want to just explore with you uh, around this whole thing of the one seat, because uh, it is so fundamental in how we uh, kind of... uh, how we experience ourselves. Just go into the room and put one chair in the center. Take the seat in the center of the room, open the doors and windows, and see who comes to visit. You will witness all kinds of scenes and actors, all kinds of temptations and stories, everything imaginable. Your only job is to stay in your seat. You will see it all rise and pass, and out of this, wisdom and understanding will come. So, I'd like to just give you a little explanation about this uh, sitting in the one seat, you know. Uh, Because actually, it's fairly direct and simple, Uh, but it takes a little bit of practice, you know. So, part of the analogy comes out of uh, the Tibetan. Uh, a Tibetan kind of picture of the, um, of the mind and body, the Nama Rupa. And it is uh, essentially that there is a room. And this room has five windows. And those five windows are what we know as our five senses. And then there is a door, which I always say is hinged both directions. And that is the mind itself and the thoughts that come and go through it. And so uh, it's very simple uh, to sit there and recognize that there are, are really three things that are occurring. So we put the seat in the center and sit, putting that seat in the center uh, really has to do with there with the knowing, knowing uh, what is occurring. And so that is in the seat itself. And then there are the five windows, which are our five senses, you know. And so that that's aware, and I don't know how this works, by the way. The fact is that, you know, I'll be hearing for a little while and then maybe I'll smell something and then I'll think something and then my knees start hurting. And, and so there is the, the actual consciousness, which is just dancing from one sense door to the other and the door, you know. And it happens very quickly, and it changes very quickly, you know. But the practice is that, uh, in essence, uh, we don't get caught, you know. And first of all, those are just the sense doors themselves, and so the knowing and the sense door uh, is actually the practice itself. But in our life and here as well, they're also the external objects which stimulate uh, each of these doorways, you know, or windows you know, and that uh, we're constantly uh, getting lost, you know, and again and again, uh, the practice is, oh, can I simply uh, acknowledge what it is? So I have to know in some sense uh, where it's happening. Oh, I notice sound and I notice it and I notice that there is the bell ringing. And so there are actually just three things happening. You know, there's the knowing of it. There is the experience at one of the sense doors or the mind, and there is that that stimulates it. You know, and the mind's a little trickier because it has uh, uh, more uh, complexity to it. But this is uh, this is also from Ajahn Chah. The visitors to your chair consists of images, plans, memories, dreams, thoughts, emotions, and many others. Once you acknowledge their presence, they will be happy to leave. However, you have to be sure to notice them and not let them take over the conversation going on in your own mind. How will you sit silently with these visitors? Do you watch them come and go, or do you try to entertain them? So, I think you got it, you know. And the thing is, you know, we have the habit of entertaining. So, um, you know, but you know, what happens with this practice is, uh, after sort of doing it over, you've been doing it now for a while, whether you've been here for two weeks or um, now six weeks is that you begin to get that, oh, you know, there are so many stories that come and go. And you start, to, I don't know, you start getting tired out. Have you noticed that? And sometimes they have sort of the, sometimes you change the names, but it's the same uh, kind of story that's going on, you know. And so a lot of it is just becoming familiar with them. You know, and I think sometimes, oh, you just, Chokyam Trungpa used to say, well, it's just like the the sole of a shoe. You have to wear it out, you know. So in a way, we we wear a lot of this out. And, and, um, you know, it would be nice to say, oh, I'm so awake that I just, uh, you know, every time something comes to one of the sense doors or my thought, I can just let it go. Well, the other thing is that uh, I know you don't, (laughs) you know we know better but at the same time that uh it's a simple process of saying oh i just left my seat i went out through the window i went out or through the door and you remember you know and you come back and there's always a little moment there where you can either say oh i forgot or i'm back And I hope there's really an important piece because one has kind of a judgment in it that somehow, you know, it's wrong to have uh, gone away. And the truth is, we go away. And the truth is, we remember and we come back. And there's a moment of uh, really marvelous um, experience of saying, oh, I'm back, kind of sitting here, and that I am present for what's happening. I'm not lost, you know. And so it's really, there's not a sense of uh, criticism or judgment uh, there at all. There's simply the acknowledgement of the wonder of kind of sitting in your seat, you know. I have a lot of peace for my Jancha tonight, but I actually love it because, you know, it's, in some ways, it's, it's the simplicity uh, that helps us in some ways. We're, we're a complex culture, and a lot is always going on. And the teachings themselves are not that. They're actually, can I simplify myself down and not be bothered, you know, and find a sense of, uh, really, a sense of solace and peace and ease uh, in just simply kind of sitting in that seat. You will see that when the heart-mind is unattached, it is abiding in its normal state. When it stirs from the normal because of various thoughts and feelings, the process of thought construction takes place in which solutions are created. Learn to see through this process. When the mind is stirred from the normal, it leads away from right practice to one of the extremes of indulgence or aversion, thereby creating more illusion, more thought construction. Good or bad are only arise in your mind if you keep watch on your mind. Study this one your whole life. I guarantee you will never be bored. It's a good one, you know. So there is this capacity to kind of stay in that one seat, you know, and um, in a sense, there has to be a, a great sense of friendliness that, um, you know, I think the mindfulness itself, I don't know, there's kind of the meta, but I don't know if they're so different because when the mind is actually awake and aware, you know, and it recognize in a sense, it's, it's not, it's non-separateness, then there is a natural uh, kind of kindness. And the kindness uh, recognizes that, um, you know, if I do get fooled, I will come back and I will try again. And if I get fooled, I'll remember. I'll come back and I'll try again. And there's such a great sense of kindness that we begin to foster for ourselves, you know. Uh, Simply, um, in the simplicity of that, you know. Uh, it's not complicated. I'm going to veer off here a little because one of the um, disciples besides Ajahn Chah was Ajahn Mahabua. And again, uh, this is one of the things that as you're sitting in your seat, uh, the things that are clearly noticed, uh, which I found so um, supportive in uh, the kind of experience in mind I have. And, and it's simply this, whatever arises has to vanish. Whatever is true, whatever is a natural principle in itself won't vanish. In other words, the pure mind won't vanish. Everything of every sort may vanish, but that which knows they're vanishing doesn't vanish. This vanishing or that vanishing, but the one which knows they're vanishing doesn't vanish. Whether or not we try to leave it untouched, it keeps on knowing. The mind blankets everything. And so essentially sitting, uh, there is the relative mind that we know that is uh, constantly, uh, we, we in a sense kind of, what, we watch it, we get to know it, uh, it constructs things, we let go of it, uh, it sometimes holds us in captivity, uh, other times uh, it releases it, you know. But ultimately it's a relative mind that keeps on constructing things. And uh, its only nature is it arises uh, and disappears and reappears. You know, And we begin to become familiar more and more, which is really maybe the practice of meditation. It's just becoming completely familiar with the simplicity of the breath, of the body, uh, of the The different uh, play of sensations of pleasant or unpleasant or not pleasant or not unpleasant and uh, the mind uh, and feelings which uh, rise and pass we get to know them really well here you know but ultimately there's something that's kind of sitting there in the knowledge of this knowing you know and it actually has never changed you know it's kind of sweet you know and it's not stained; uh, it's not stained by uh, all the comings and goings, or the uh, the relative mind kind of sitting in the chair, or the sense doors, or uh, all the emotions and thoughts that go through. You know, and so there's a sense of oh, there's confidence, and there's something that actually exists that I can't know any place else but right here. You know. It's simply knowable here. We can uh, think about it, talk about it, make things up about it, but it's not. We're not able to know it. You know, so a lot of our practice is actually getting to be really comfortable that the relative world that sits in that seat, you know, uh, is also, um, you know, uh, it gets excited. It gets, you know, uncomfortable. Uh, it can get angry. It can get anxious. But uh, there's also what's knowing, and uh, this is really what Ajahn Mahabua was pointing at. And to me, it's been it's a great comfort to know that there's something not caught up in this anyway. As I see it, the mind is like a single point. The center of the universe and mental states are like visitors who come to stay at this point for short or long periods of time. Get to know these visitors well. Become familiar with the vivid pictures they paint, the alluring stories they tell, to entice you to follow them. But do not give up your seat. It is the only chair around. If you continue to occupy it unceasingly, greeting each guest as it comes, firmly establishing yourself in awareness, transforming your mind, transforming your mind into the one who knows, the one who is awake, The visitors will eventually stop coming back. If you give them real attention, how many times can these visitors return? Speak with them here, and you will know every one of them well. Then your mind will at last be at peace. So a lot of this is, first of all, uh, recognizing that uh, we're, uh, you know, for me, this, I guess two years ago, sitting in the seat, my body wasn't in good shape, and, and um, I began to rely completely on the fact that there was something, this it, it, there with the knowing, that I kind of got it, you know, and at the same time, I was telling stories, uh, I was writing lists For things I had to do uh, at home, you know, the relative world, you know. And yet, you know, I actually wrote it uh, several times before I realized again, I was there, I was again, kind of reconstructing uh, uh, the life that uh, I thought I should have, you know. Uh, But then more and more, it was really this thing oh, can I just relax? and and surrender, and I actually kind of gave up the list finally, you know? And there was just such a, you know, you know what I'm talking about. There's kind of, we want to fix the future, you know, and get it right, and somehow things will be better if we do that, you know? And the idea here, is that, can you make it so simple that just sitting there, that there in that seat, and knowing that somehow that uh, if you don't, kind of by uh, what happens out there, what happens at the windows or the door, that there is this great, great comfort, you know, of a sense of peace and ease that kind of sits there, you know, Simply know who the guests are as they arrive. Once, they're dropped, once they've dropped by, they will find th- that there is only one chair, and as long as you oc- occupy it, they will have nowhere to sit down. Next time they come, there will also be no chair that is free. No matter how many times these chattering visitors show up, They always meet the same person sitting in the same seat. There is only one seat, and you're sitting in it. How long do you think they will continue to put up with this situation? Everyone and everything you've ever known since you began to experience the world will come for a visit. Simply observing and being aware right here is enough to see the Dharma. That's it. You know. It's interesting to me that um, somehow I think in my desire uh, I think when I first came to this practice, my desire was to just to get out of suffering. You know, that was its it sole purpose, even though I didn't have it that clearly that's what I was doing. And, you know, I had the carrot of the idea of enlightenment as a, um, you know, as a, it was kind of a star out there that somehow uh, if I worked hard enough, if I worked hard enough, and uh, that I would receive or get something, you know. But this was the teaching that, oh, it was enough, ultimately. And I, there was things in that that were good, you know. But there was always this sense that somehow, um, even when I'd had great insights, it was never some, the big bang, you know. It wasn't enough, you know. And uh, slowly, I think these teachings, it's very much uh, that little story I told about, you know, oh, you already are on the other side. You know? And so, in saying that, uh, you're it. You know? Uh, You actually, there's nothing to achieve out there. There is simply that awareness that has always been there. You know? And it's not something that um, yeah, you know, it doesn't come in a big bang or anything. And I like in the Zen tradition they talk about it as uh, you know you kind of go through this process, and suddenly it's about ordinary. I love this word, ordinariness. You know, it's just simply about the ordinary. You know, and we don't try to complicate it anymore. We simply kind of walk and know, and sit and know. And slowly, it can actually begin to happen that you know even your you know I think it's always a a trip that we you know we we have this community that we have to support and everybody gets one or two jobs and um, those jobs uh, jobs is probably the wrong word right uh, they are really things that how we support the community uh, as a collective that we all have to do things and that in that process. Uh, what do you bring to it, you know? Is it, oh, I, you know, do I just uh, want to get through it as fast as possible? Or heck, am I taking these teachings and using them in a way that uh, allows that continuity uh, of wakefulness and mindfulness that actually is supporting ultimately uh, this Capacity to actually be uh, be free in any circumstances, even doing the pots, you know, or the dishes, you know, uh, it is possible, and there are things that translate really well in our lives, you know. So I think it's just something we haven't spoken so much about, but I think it's just fundamental, in that that seat, that place, uh, has a lot to do with what. Uh, Ajahn Moon was talking about is somehow. Uh, I know this has been important to me. Is to, is I have to find my seat. Uh, in the sense that's an analogy, and it's a great kind of analogy, but that seat is actually you here and now, you know. So for me, keeping some attention in your body. Some attention in your body, you know, uh, and being able to remember over and over again to ground your attention there and that then in some way that you begin to notice that as with grounded that all of it is changing. You know, it's just vanishing as uh, Ajahn Mahabhua says. It's things just, they come and they go and they come and they go and you think sometimes they're so important, you know, but they too go. I don't care how important they are. And here, all sorts of things, you know, from the past that kind of out of nowhere appear, you know. And it's true. There is, in a sense, uh, some of that is just we recognize things and we see that how we're contracted and have uh, different feelings around that, you know. And ultimately, uh, it takes time sometimes, but they all thin out, you know? uh, They get undone in some way. And we find ourselves uh, in this ordinariness, this really, oh, it's okay. I'm enough right here, you know. And I don't have to be something else or be anybody else. And there's that sense of, uh, really, it's just enoughness, the authenticity of the one who knows, you know. So... One of my, um, I loved uh, Ajahn Chah in that the simplicity of kind of the image of sitting in that one seat, which I hold dearly in all movement, you know. Also, one of my teachers, his name was Dilgo Kense Rinpoche, and he was, uh, um, how do you describe him? He was about uh, six foot five and probably around 300 pounds. He was an enormous man, you know? And um, he simply described over and over just the nature of the mind, how it works. And so I thought I'd just read this to you, uh, which is a wonderful piece of his, uh, simply because I know uh, you all get caught in your thoughts. You know? Like waves... All the activities of this life have rolled endlessly on. Yet they have left us empty-handed. Myriad of thoughts have run through our minds. But all they have done is increase our confusion and dissatisfaction. Normally we operate under the deluded assumption that everything has some sort of of true substantial reality. But when we look more carefully, we find that the phenomenal world is like a rainbow, vivid and colorful, but without any tangible existence. When a rainbow appears, we see many beautiful colors. Yet a rainbow is not something we can clothe ourselves with or wear as an ornament. It simply appears through the conjunction of various conditions. Thoughts arise in the mind in the same way. They have no tangible reality or intrinsic existence at all. There, There is therefore no logical reason why thoughts should have so much power over us, nor any reason why we should be enslaved by them. Mind creates both samsara and nirvana, yet there is nothing much to it. It is just thoughts. Once we recognize that thoughts are empty, the mind will no longer have the power to deceive us. But as long as we take our deluded thoughts as real, they will continue to torment us mercilessly, as they have been doing throughout countless past lives. To gain control over this mind, We need to be vigilant, constantly examining our thoughts, words, and actions. To cut through the mind, clinging, it is important to understand that all appearances are void, like the appearance of water in a mirage. Beautiful forms are of no benefit to the mind, nor can ugly forms harm it in any way. Sever this tie of hope and fear attraction and repulsion and remain in equanimity in the understanding that all phenomena are nothing more than projections of your own mind. To realize that appearance and voidness are one that is called simplicity freedom from conceptual limitations simplicity So this is just another version, but it's still this capacity to recognize that uh, we can see through this, you know, and let, in a sense, um, you know, all the stories themselves, uh, in a sense, uh, be instantly freed and stay in our bodies, sit in the center of our seat, And in some ways, I always thought one of my practices was that in uh, this two years ago, sitting in this chair in this room, um, was uh, I would actually bow, you know, and I I like bowing. So I would just bow to when I, I saw myself get caught, you know, oh, can I just release it there on the spot and come back to just sitting in the center of things. And beginning to trust more and more that, oh, there's something that actually knows uh, that doesn't have to be about the thoughts. It doesn't have to be about the door swinging back and forth. It doesn't ha- even have to be about the outer objects or the sense doors. You know? So I'll let you chew on that. You know? So I'll read my kind of offering for tonight. A long lineage, looking into the hidden landscape of our underground world, talking endlessly about our own nothingness, of course, going nowhere. Remembering this lineage, asking us to simply stay in our seat, to stay in our seat, no longer sneaking out the window hoping that it would turn out better only to remind ourselves, the only small triumph here, the only small triumph here, is staying in your seat. The great yogis of old surrendered to this great world, never giving up their seat, breaking the bonds of their storyteller, free at last sit for a minute. May you be free at last. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.